0: Hi, everybody. It's Claudia with Cabin Talk. And today I have a special guest, somebody like I haven't had before. And also, the way and what he talks about, I haven't had too many guests on like that. His name is Chance Gordon. Garden, garden. We were talking about that. <laughs> and he's a wonderful spiritual human being. And I just wanted to introduce him and uh, actually have him introduce himself to you guys and just give us a little rundown. Welcome to the show, Chance.
1: Thank you so much for having me on here, Claudia. It's always inspiring to get to meet with another mind that's got the same aligning principles of health and, you know, holistic coming together of humanity and i I know from the brief time that we've been acquainted with each other that your real mission is to heal the division that is so prevalent right now in right. humanity, and that division is exactly what's causing us to stumble in this cataclysmic but also um you know epic and lots of potential age shift that we're witnessing happen right now. So I guess I will back up and introduce myself a little bit. But I, like you said, I'm Chance. I am a host of a podcast myself. The show is called Interverse. And that's a little bit hard to describe because there's so many varieties of things that we talk about on that show. But I interview intellectual and spiritual people from around the world, also creative people. And the main goal of the podcast is... If I had to put it in a nutshell just go back to maybe the first organic seed of what made me begin doing it was that I wanted other people to see through the conversations that I was putting out to them that whatever it was that they thought they wanted to do but felt like they couldn't do, they actually can. And the difference between a person who's a master in something and a person that's a novice or never even started is the time factor. So I want everyone to always have those examples of whatever the thing is that really there's a path for them and they just have to start walking it. And it it can be something that people have to really learn that the the time and the discipline and even just small daily effort towards a goal will get you somewhere because we are kind of entrained in a, I want it right now, super uh, instant gratification type culture. And I mean, I myself have all of those same levels of programming to deal with, but The three pillars of what I like to cover are consciousness, creativity, and conspiracy, but not conspiracy just to try to scare people, conspiracy to help people see that there's not coincidences in the world, everything's connected. And through the law of correlations that we see as a universal natural principle, when we start really trying to learn what natural law is, there is a connection between all the things that we see as negative conspiracies in the world and what people do in their daily lives that they take for granted as uh, being okay even when deep down they know is hurting themselves or as uh, things that they know are wrong outright but they do with willful ignorance and these are difficult things to uh, be honest with ourselves about but once we do have some radical honesty on the subject I think uh, we'll be able to start making the shifts and, and do the healing and just as an example one that I've really come to realize in the last couple of weeks with all the things being said in the media about the elite pedophile human trafficking rings that are uh, some people are really talking about right now. I think it is good to expose that stuff, but where can we come back to our own lives and find the commonality between that type of stuff and what people are actually uh, doing in their personal lives. And I think there's a lot of connections, but the easiest one in my opinion, and this is probably not popular opinion is the porn industry and how people are, especially males of my generation and younger, are a lot of them are highly addicted to uh, internet pornography. It all comes to them for free. But when we think about our daily lives, there's not that many people we know that actually want to go out and create porn and be the person being objectified like that, even for money, which you have to wonder where is a lot of the money for it because it's all given to people for free. And I think that there is a connection between human trafficking and that industry. And maybe not every person that creates pornography is themselves a victim of human trafficking. But I think a lot of it is there. And uh, I think maybe even, this is another unpopular opinion, but what we're seeing with the possible crumbling of these human trafficking rings might just still allow an industry like that to exist because more people are getting into doing it as an independent thing where no one's making them do it. And they're just creating it. And the morality of that, I leave that up to someone to decide, but I just bring it up as a point, like there could very well be a connection between this thing that people take for granted as a daily habit that they kind of keep to themselves and it's a secret part of their life and this secret human trafficking and human sex trafficking that goes on through the, uh, the power structures of the world. So it's kind of a dark one that's, to throw at you that, right out the gate, a, but that's, an that's the amazing... type of example
0: that's an amazing connection to make. And I honestly didn't think about that before. And I think you're absolutely right. And, and I think the whole uh, pornography industry really desensitizes people to a lot of stuff where, where they're like, well, it's just sex. It's just that, you know, Uh Uh-oh, it says my internet connection is unstable. I think we're okay, though. But, um, yeah, I think that's a really, really good point. And I truly believe that change only comes from within, from every individual doing their own work, their own inner work, and really looking at ourselves um, very intensely and seeing our own dark spots. And only this way, I think we can actually make a change in this world because we do create the world we're in. And if we, if we keep doing the same um, negative things or the same, well, I don't want to call them bad, but the same things over and over, we will create the same things over and over. If we want to change our world, we do need to make intense changes and we need to make them right away.
1: Yeah, the sooner the better, because things are definitely coming to a head of sorts. And this is, yeah, this is the time to make some big changes. I mean, to go back to this topic, and maybe we don't have to stay on this topic completely, but whether or not you think that creating, you know, what you would call pornographic material or erotic material is immoral. It's probably not in the basic level, the basic sense, but think about the relationship people have with it. And that's where the the problem comes in for a lot of males in this culture, especially because we're also, I mean, females too, I think actually do engage with this industry as well. So I don't want to just put it on males, but, but the fact is we have this relationship with the feminine energy of, existence that is coming to us through a screen and coming to through us in an artificial way and it's in an on-demand way and the fact is in nature your your sexuality your sexual experiences with the feminine or with the the masculine if you're a female looking for the masculine that's not an on-demand thing typically that's like there has to be some sort of harmonious synchronistic natural coming together of those energies for you to have access. So the fact that we have on demand access to this thing that is very likely connected to the exploitation of the feminine is uh, i think a symbol of what we are experiencing and what you would say is a overtly or externally patriarchal driven world still even to this day. And, oh, and- you know there's uh, other elements that connect to this too as far as how the divine feminine is exploited by people on a, on a kind of daily basis without them realizing it. And that's, I could, I could name a few other ways.
0: Well, and, and I absolutely agree. And the thing that is being usually completely left out in pornography or even in advertising, you know, advertising, same thing in a sense, um, is that they do not even touch on the emotional aspect of relationships of any kind of relationships. It's just a physical act and no more than that, which couldn't be more you know, false because it, that just makes it even less human. And as human beings, we don't just like to connect with the body. We like to connect all parts of ourselves with another being. And if we can't do that, there's so much left out. And I feel that uh, the younger generation that is watching probably a fair amount more porn than than my generation is, um, although I think my generation is watching plenty of porn too, <laughs> but I think um, it, it starts very early on that sex is just sex and not any connection is needed, and I think that is so damaging to the soul in the long run.
1: I think that's a really good point and that what is oftentimes desired on a deeper level than the physical connection or the physical feeling of the act itself is that emotional connection is that human <laughs> that human mirroring that we can achieve through I mean through platonic and through sexualized relationships so it, also there's a principle in Occultism, if you research it deeply, and occult just means hidden, doesn't mean evil, and doesn't mean black magic like a lot of people think. But there's a principle regarding uh, the our seed as humans. Both men and women have an energetic type of seed, if you will, and that's related to our sexuality. And it's said in the kind of harder to find occult teachings that the seed itself has to be preserved for the next season. And think about it if you 're a farmer and you use all your seed up and it 's just gone. What are you going to have come around next spring when it's time to sow those uh, sow seeds to come for a new harvest that year? if you don't have anything, then you're in trouble and so in in that sense, what is really being disconnected, not just humans to humans, male to female, being disconnected by this type of um, materialist and Sort of sensual gratification based culture, it's also the connection of the person to themselves. It's also bringing yourself back to, uh, you're not bringing yourself back to springtime in a healthy way. You're not, you're having a disconnect in your own personal circuit. And that's a deeper thing. But, and people might not want to hear that or agree with that. But uh, I'm not saying you can't have orgasms. I'm just saying that there's a certain part of yourself that does not. Uh, function in the same way if you have like daily, constant uh, spilling of that seed, <laughs> for lack of a uh, okay. less okay. descriptive metaphor. <laughs> yep. And okay. I, I, I'm surprised we're even going here in this conversation today, but I I, even, I'm like, also cool with it because it's not a very, it. people yeah. don't talk about this. And I think that it's really important and obviously a big part of people's lives.
0: Yeah. I mean, we had, uh, I just want to tell my audience, we had no plan on what to talk about, nor did we have a pre-interview in a sense. We talked for like two minutes just to schedule it. And I know uh, that Chance uh, knows Matt Lampen and they have been connecting and if Matt likes a person that is good enough for me to want to introduce them to you guys as well. And so, but wherever the conversation leads us, it is where it leads us. And I love actually that we talk about that because it's a big dark secret that nobody acknowledges and has huge ramifications in people's lives. And it, it does destroy relationships. It does destroy you know, your relationship with yourself a lot of times. And I've been in a relationship where somebody was addicted to porn and it becomes extremely strange, uh, you know, after the initial get-to-know period, it gets very bizarre. And we had, we actually stayed together for a few years and we had to work through a lot of things together. And it was an interesting journey, but there is so much... Um, th- and, and thank God my partner at the time was willing to really address things and really investigate and really find out about himself. He was very inquisitive in his spirituality. And so that was a wonderful experience altogether, but it was very challenging a lot of the times because of the porn addiction. And um, so, yeah, I do have... I do have some experience with that uh, whole topic for from a long-term relationship perspective. And I think it's a really important thing to talk about. So are we going to stay on yeah, that? Are we gonna when be- I was younger, let's
1: not stay there, but I'll just say like, I'm with everyone out there. When I was much younger, this was a problem with me and in relationships. So I'm not like some holier-than-thou human being. I'm coming to this from... The way that my conscience led me to it and uh, I think that's where we all should maybe just leave it for now and know that we're bringing this to your attention not because we want to beat you over the head with it or call you immoral or anything like that we, we just think that you know it's worth looking at yourself and your own relationship to sexuality and your own relationship to the opposite sex and how that works whether it's a highly material thing or if there is more of a spirituality to it and a a balance to it so uh uh, i think we can leave it there and maybe talk about some other solutions as far as like whether it's that type of an addiction or any kind of an addiction what we can do to break those patterns in ourselves because that's the the bigger question that's the serious question is like okay i have this pattern but how do i shift it because like you said now is really the time to be working on solutions now Definitely the time. And especially if that particular topic is connected to human trafficking, that makes it even more important than ever, even though I guess it probably has always been connected and will always be important. And I think the big message that I'm invested, invested in sharing with people is that um, not just the idea that addiction is actually the inverse of spiritual development, because I truly think that it is from my own personal experience and from what I've witnessed in others, but that This type of addiction is usually based on some kind of trauma masking and not wanting to feel or process or bring to the forefront of our consciousness. So whenever we have trauma, how do we address that and heal that? And it's not just emotional or psychological. I think that's where a lot of people get stuck is they want to only address it on the emotional or psychological plane. And the reality is the trauma lives in the body. And there are some good ways to find it in the body and address that. And I, I can definitely give examples. if. You...
0: Oh, did we lose? We lost the sound. Ah. Oh, here we go. Oh,
1: okay. I... <laughs> okay, yeah, I'll go I ahead, ahead and, and work with something.
0: Really, really interesting to talk about that. I think that's a really important topic because I always feel my body tells me everything I need to know. So, aches, pains, diseases, illnesses, all of it will manifest in the body that really comes from outside, from our emotional state. And so, yes, I love, I love, that's like my favorite topic, I love it.
1: <laughs> awesome, awesome. And what's great about this is whenever we start to work with the body in a serious way, it also is going to unlock the higher levels of our creativity and imagination because those things are connected. The body, mind, spirit is one system. It's all part of the same thing. It's not three separate compartments. But if we have cut ourselves off and made them into separate compartments or even pretended that one of those compartments doesn't even exist, we're going to run into you know a lot of problems inevitably with that. Uh, as far as modalities for working on healing this trauma, I think we have to get a foundational understanding of what the real deepest root problem is. And I think that in our culture, the, the deepest problem that exists across the board is body dysphoria, which is the, the feeling of dis, extreme discomfort or displeasure of being in one's own body. And that's what most of the medical industry, or at least on the pharmaceutical side of things that's oriented around is suppressing Masking the symptoms of discomfort in the body to the point where eventually, then whatever is not feeling good that you're ignoring, then just totally breaks and you're in serious trouble from there. And you're at the mercy of the guys in the white coats. And hopefully, the procedures and protocols that they're trained to follow without a lot of thinking for themselves are some that aren't going to lead you into an early grave, but you really have no guarantee. So, if you're leaving your health up to the external world to decide whether or not you're going to have that health, then you are, you're rolling some dice and they're loaded dice (laughs) right? (laughs) because all the incentive is in the system to keep you ill, whether or not the individuals in the system have a desire to want to heal you or not, they're still working. And because of things like insurance laws and the rules of whatever hospital they work for, they've got to follow the protocols, no matter to, to a large degree, there's not a lot of wiggle room for them, even if what they want is to heal you. So none of this is like a, attack against the medical professionals of the world. Although I'm sure there's some out there that do have a profit oriented mindset. The The fact is you've got to take charge of this for yourself. And the first step is to try to increase your level of sensitivity to yourself. Because when we talk about expanding consciousness, which is what spirituality really is, is an expanding of our awareness of what is and consciousness is what allows us to understand truth and to gain knowledge which are two of the things that are pretty much the primary foundational goods in the world for us to uh, attain to, uh, the sensitivity is where that conduit is at. Like you, if you have no consciousness, that means you don't sense things. And it's not just external senses with the, the five or six senses that we have to work with the outside world. It's also your inner senses, inward directed thinking, which is uh, also where imagination is really developed inward directed thinking and that's what is lost on a lot of people with the way that they're brought up and designed and kind of put into a highly left brain type of um, what you call materialist mindset and the right brain the feminine side which is the part that we've been talking about having been sort of dominated and suppressed in ourselves is the part that feels things on the holistic level is the emotional side, and it's also the body. In a sense, the, everything physical is feminine to spirit, which is masculine in, in occultism or uh, just energy dynamics, you could say. So we have to realize that any of the ways that we are in a, out of balance with the feminine aspects of the reality are connected to ways that we are harming our body and harming the earth. So all these things are one thing, which means it's actually useful cuz you can work on healing all these things from one angle at the same time which is working on healing your body and getting out of the habits that are harmful to your body so modalities that are going to really assist with that are things that are going to increase your level of sensitivity of your internal organs your internal energy flow so things like qigong or tai chi or yoga there's reasons why these are popular and getting more popular these days because they are they actually contain the solutions for for moving forward in consciousness and expanding yourself, spirituality Your spirituality.
0: Yeah. You know, I was macrobiotic for about three years, a hardcore of my life. And it's basically a diet that lives with nature. So you eat what's around your, your environment pretty much is the gist of it. But it also, the teacher would say, um, you know, people get a sniffle because let's say they eat a cheese pizza and the body, whatever it doesn't like, wants to get rid of it. And mucus and, and sniffles and coughing is a way to expel what shouldn't be in your body in the first place. But then people go, oh, I have allergies and they start taking an antihistamine. So they keep all that stuff that wants to get rid desperately out of the body and keep it in there. So then it festers there and the body's like, okay, I have to put it somewhere. So I'll put it in the weakest part. And for some people that's, uh, you know, whatever, the liver or the kidneys or the, you know, stores it somewhere. And then you keep adding to it because you no longer have the symptoms of what makes you Sick in a sense, or what the body doesn't want. And so it keeps storing and storing. And years later, people come down with cancer in the part of their body that is the weakest, or that is the most sensitive, or that is emotionally the most challenged. And, uh, you know, when I heard that the first time, I was like, whoa, that is so wonderful. But instead of people treating or stopping what they're doing to hurt themselves, they just keep masking the symptoms, like you said earlier. And I think that is a huge problem, a huge problem, you know, that we mask the symptoms and then they just keep going worse and worse and worse till the, to the point where the body breaks down where, you know, unless drastic measures are taken, people will die. And, and like you, I feel like, okay, when somebody's at that point, maybe Western medicine has a place because to prevent people from dying. But then if they don't make significant changes emotionally as well as physically, they will die regardless because they haven't changed anything and the body continues to get sick. And, and, and I think the emotional aspect of that is so important because if we are out of whack emotionally and I can tell just by when I do yoga and I can't open as wide, you know, I can't, my shoulders are slumped, my hips aren't open as wide, all those things. I know exactly what's going on. And you can tell, you know, you can tell for yourself what's going on in your life just by watching your body.
1: That's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, there's so much there that you just brought up and I think that we should address the the dietary side of this conversation a little bit because for me as a person, I had been told I had allergies my whole life, but then I found out later in life that, oh yeah, when you were a baby, you were completely lactose intolerant. You would have horrible like diarrhea and throw up if we gave you any milk, but we just kept giving you pudding pops and eventually you seemed to get over it. <laughs> <laughs> and I uh, quit dairy. I cut dairy out of my diet completely, probably yeah. four or five years ago. And then, so my allergies though, what they, call, what they were calling allergies, and they tested me for allergies and said, oh, it looks like every plant on God's green earth you're actually allergic to, so good luck. And I'm just like, wow, wow that sucks. How does that even happen? How does, a, how does a body that comes from the earth end up allergic to everything on the earth? So that didn't sit right with me, but I wasn't aware or awake enough yet to realize that, that this is something that I'm doing to myself. It's not something that I'm stuck with. It's not my genes or whatever. Right. And I was actually getting allergy shots where wow. uh, once a week they would inject me with, I don't know what it was. I have no idea. But they would inject my arms on both arms with three shots once a week. And wow. the spot where they injected would well up like the size of a ping pong ball. Half a ping pong ball on my arm. Crazy, right? And it wasn't really making a big difference, maybe a little bit of a difference. It's hard to say. But when I cut out, I quit taking the shots, I cut out dairy. And what happened was all of the allergies went away, except for whenever I would eat something that was probably not good for me to have eaten. And so now, whenever I have those like snotty allergy moments, and I think being around certain types of mold and certain types of moisture, I can still have allergic reactions to as well. But essentially, I've discovered that it's it's a either something like that's toxic to my body that I've consumed that causes me to have like the the snot and the mucus and the allergic style reaction, or it's an alkalinity issue in my body. And so this. <laughs> I kind of went ham last night on some snacks that I shouldn't have probably done so late at night. And I woke up with bad sniffles and I was like, okay, I got to deal with this before I even get in the conversation with Claudia today. I can't be sneezing on her show. I can't be (laughs) dripping out my nose on her show. That's not going to work. So I did a variety of things, but one of the, the main things I did was take an alkalizing mixture and add it to a glass of water. And I'm pretty sure that's the one thing that kind of cuts the mucus off. And it's not that you don't want to get that stuff out, get it out as it comes up, but uh, there is a balance, a pH balance that is a big factor in how you're having allergic reactions and things too. So what you eat is super important to this whole process in terms of the emotional side, because You might be addicted to certain types of food as a way of making you feel better, or or mask uh, another emotional symptom, or it might just be something that you're sabotaging yourself with, and you don't realize it because you have a faulty belief about whether or not that thing is okay for you to eat. So, with with your food choices, that's advice to. uh, It can be really hard to do this. So I'll, I'll give a I'll give a bit of a better path for it, but just in general, if you can reduce the variety of what you're eating down to very simple things, and go for like a month on that, yeah, and, and then at a the time how different it uh, of an effect it has whenever you bring that thing in, if it's the thing that was actually throwing you off, and like like I said, that can be hard to imagine doing, but there are also cleansing protocols that you can get on there's cleanse kits that i recommend a couple that i've tried myself colon cleansing is hugely important think of your organs as filters for your (laughs) i mean there's a spiritual component to this too because the organs connect to the chakra system and they connect to different types of expression that you can do or can't do depending on how clear you are in that filter but think of like the filter in your house your car if you haven't cleaned it or changed it whatever it caught is still there so that's the case with inside you as well. And whenever you do certain types of colon cleanses, for example, you can go on a like a no-food diet, completely liquid-based diet for like five, seven, nine days, depending on if you want to harness that much willpower or not, you'll be surprised that you do have the willpower and you can do it. And it won't keep you from doing other things that you need to do. Like you can still go to work, you can still do you can still go dance at a a concert, whatever it is. But Try those type of things as a foundational first step because the root chakra is connected to that colon and you need that furnace and that fire to be burning hot before you can actually even send energy further up the channel and get all the way, your whole system top to bottom connected. So that's a good solution that I I highly recommend. I can send uh, recommended links to to kits you can do, or if you don't want to buy the kit, you can, come up with your own cleanse protocol just by doing a little bit of research on the internet and find out what other people are doing. and that's a huge step that will lead you to other levels of expansion if you can start there. But there's a lot of places you can start.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah, I agree. uh oh Kitty has a little little problem. Kitty Kitty is cleansing. but I, I, totally I have to keep agree. the cat out. I'm generally a big fan of just one day a week, just don't eat. Just don't eat for one day a week. Just don't, you know. And um and drink water and be done with it. And I think that's really um helping the system to clean out. You know, it gets rid of all that extra stuff that shouldn't be there. And of course, if you can do longer fasts, that's wonderful. I've gone a week, I've, you know, no food at all and belly water and it doesn't kill anybody. It's actually super healthy. And the amazing thing about fasting is that your mind gets so sharp. It gets super sharp. I've never, feel, I've never felt uh, smarter than when I do a one week fast. I'm like, everything is like a computer. I mean, everything realigns in there. It's really true. It's extraordinary how that works. And so I, I can only highly recommend to people. Or they don't want to do a total fast, like you say, just liquids, you know, just broth and juices and and just healthy things. But I always encourage people to eat as close to nature as possible like as close to the way nature made it as possible. As soon as we start modifying too much stuff, it just doesn't, you know, work as well. Even with cooking, you know, a lot of raw food. And that doesn't mean that I don't grab a bag of chips sometimes at night and eat the entire bag of chips. I do. But, my body. Yeah, that
1: was me last night. Ah!
0: (laughs) But generally, you know, and then when you're healthy, you can, your body can withstand that. And same thing, my nose was running half the night and, you know, I have to pay the price for it. But occasionally it's a good thing. If you have a bag of chips every night, you're going to really start damaging yourself. And, you know, but we sometimes just, we're also not perfect and we don't need to be perfect. The body can withstand stuff, but just not when, when the crap is more than the good things. That's when I think trouble really starts hitting.
1: I absolutely. And, you know, I think that we are way more powerful than we realize. So we have potential that we are not even close to tapping. So for me, I maintain a diet that doesn't involve animal products for yeah. a variety of reasons and that's another topic in itself but people sometimes you know, have ask a farm me, animal me well, you... what's that
0: you know I have a farm animal sanctuary
1: no I did yeah I started a that. farm
0: animal sanctuary I'm a big advocate for vegan living
1: yes well hey all right yeah. <laughs> that's amazing yeah that's yep. amazing Yeah. Uh, All the more reason to love you, Claudia. That's so cool. How cool. (laughs) Same here. (laughs) Sometimes though, on that subject, people will come to me and say, well, haven't you seen the science that like your body can't function without this or that that comes from animals? And then I my response is usually like, okay, I I see your science and I raise you all these accounts and even measured instances of people who were what you would call spiritually advanced that were able to go without even eating or drinking for weeks, months, or years. And that might sound far out, but uh, I've come across so many accounts of that that I don't doubt that it's something that we're capable of. So if someone can go without anything but water or just breath for Days, weeks, years, and they're not dying, and they seem and they're functioning, and they're totally like a up, way up there, spiritually aware and advanced individuals, staying in that state. I'm not saying that you could do that right now yourself, but that like at some point, maybe that's possible for you. And I think what really my personal opinion on how that occurs it has something to do with what you call personal alchemy and alchemy. The secret of alchemy is that it was never really about turning external base metals into gold. It's about transmuting the lead inside yourself into gold. And when it comes to alchemy, it's very related to chemistry, and it has all this knowledge of the different reactions of different components that make up the minerals and plants of the world. But what is really being trying to be portrayed, I think, is that the real alchemical cabinet is the one that's inside your body. And as humans, as image, we're the image of the creator. We are the fractal microcosm of the entire universe. And that means that everything is in us. Every element is in us somewhere. And it needs to be in the right ratios and balances for us to be a a balanced and healthy personal innerverse or universe, right? So We've been deprived of certain elements. We have overdone other elements. And so our system's out of whack. And that could very well explain why we're not able to self-synthesize and self-generate the things that we need and that's why we're even going for food. But in a different age, maybe humanity barely even had a relationship to food apart from just letting it be a medicine of sorts whenever something was out of whack. Okay, you need more of this, we'll eat this, but otherwise you're not eating really anything because you're already whole. I think that's the journey we're trying to go on is to return to wholeness.
0: I think so too. And I think I think when we leave this physical body behind, that's when we're there anyway you know that's where we come from and that's where we go and and the physical body we just get opportunities in those bodies to actually um hone in on the skills we need to hone in on you know and i think that's why we get this form and and we get to practice and we really get to see um we get to start to love with less conditions because we see the humanity of everybody else. And once we learn how, you know, they're just human also, we can drop all those false pretenses that everybody's bad and I'm good. And, you know, we can actually start to love with less conditions. And I think that's why we get this chance in this human body to be here, to see that and experience that. At least one of the reasons.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I love what you just said. And I know that you were kind of thinking about keeping it towards the 30-minute mark. So maybe we can make this sort of conclusion. And if you're interested, we can talk about a lot of different elements of the things we brought up today. I am to come on regularly. Yeah, I'd love it. I'd love I that. I do. I want uh, you to
0: come on. I mean, I could talk to you now for five hours, you know. This is phenomenal. I love it. <laughs> I'm so and
1: happy. I'm because- I'm usually I'm all up for doing like a 2 hour thing all the time, but I think like you said it'd be cool to make some more bite-sized chunks for people. As far as what you were just talking about though, a good place to maybe leave it is that I think where humanity has stumbled in the materialism that we've been inundated with is the idea that we're going to take nature and we're going to we're going to improve it or replace it. And when we look at the tech that we're using across the board, it's generally something that's a plagiarization of something that spirit or nature could already have done in a better sense. And with corporations, typically what corporations have done throughout the last hundred plus years is like a thief in the night. They come in and steal somebody or the people's ability to do something for themselves. And then they sell that back to them in a shittier version. Right, right, (laughs) right. If you really think about that, I think especially with health related things, that's been done to us to the point where we've lost a lot of the knowledge, but it's still there. We're not completely, we're not, we haven't completely lost the connection to it. The knowledge is always there because nature is designed in a way where we can, once we awaken the higher faculties and balance the left and right brain, we can start to intuit what nature is trying to tell us about what this plant does and that plant does. And I think that's the secret. We've been conditioned and convinced that Without the uh, without the purely left brain knowledge of every little plant in the world and naming everything and every component that's in it, we'll never. Without having all of that categorized and organized, we're never going to know how to work with nature. And what we're going to need to do instead is use that category, like that catalog of knowledge and scientific materialism to uh, take nature and extract from it and improve upon it and replace it, which I think is kind of. The whole problem. And what alchemy has always sought to do has been about taking the natural processes as they are, and then using the power of our imagination, the connection that we have to source or the creator to exalt it. So we're not replacing it. We're not changing nature's process. We are exalting it with our own Ability to also recognize that we are that process ourselves and whatever process we see in nature that process exists in ourselves And we harmonize that process in ourselves with the process we see in nature and that's what it is to exalt it And that's where the real power is and that's why the simplest solutions are usually the powerful ones so we can (laughs) We can do so much for ourselves with very 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 easy tactics and like one thing I'd love to bring on next show is talk about biofield tuning with tuning forks. Yes, and sound I love that. Vibration. Yes, I so love I've that. I've been really experimenting with this lately and it's been powerful. Do
0: and you I know Eileen Kusick?
1: Yeah, that's where I learned this from, but yes. I, I don't know her personally, but I really want to get her on my show someday I if I can know. get a connection with her. I <laughs> love Eileen
0: and I know her and she's a wonderful human being. She lives basically, or she lived the next town over. So, yes, yeah, she is wonderful. She's awesome. Wow. And she's doing extraordinary work in this world with the tuning forks. Absolutely extraordinary. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that this is, is the Sonic so Slider cool. from her store. She, she invented it. It's incredible.
0: Oh. Yeah, well, tell
1: her, I will, tell her I'd love to, to meet with her and talk with her. Yeah, <laughs> she's I've so been- cool.
0: Oh, for a year we've been, or I've been trying to get her on, but now she's traveling so much and she's all over the place and it's just about, good, which is time. good
1: on her. And you know, she yes. shouldn't be the only one who can bring that information to the people. So I know we could talk about it without needing her. I've read her book. It's mind blowing, it. life changing. That's okay. uh tuning the human biofield by Eileen Day McCusick. That might be a yep. great conversation topic for a future chat with us. Love yeah.
0: it. Perfect. We'll do that. Uh, we'll, We'll have you on again in a month or so, and we'll do a monthly thing and just really talk about different topics. We'll pick interesting topics. And to my audience, if you know a topic that you would like to discuss, let us know, and we can also talk about that. So I think that would be wonderful. And um, oh, tell us real quickly, and then I'll also get the links from you to put in the description of the video, but tell us how people can get in touch with you and where they can find your show.
1: Uh, absolutely. What I do is found at innerversepodcast.com. It's like universe, but inner, innerverse. <laughs> it's got a lot like of meaning in the to me. background
0: of your, of you, there is the podcast. Oh yeah,
1: it's back there.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, there it is. Let me move my head. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I've been doing for a couple of years now. Uh, it's really the The person I'm talking to is the one doing most of the talking in those conversations. So I appreciate having the chance to be in the guest seat and really express the things I've learned being on the journey as I have. And I know that I'm right there with you guys and I'm not perfect in any of the things we talk about, but I have a serious passion for continually approaching perfection, which is what we can do as a, images of the creator, if you will, (laughs) we can continually exalt and improve ourselves. And that's, you know, we have basically two paths in the world, evolution or involution, and there's no staying in the middle. There's no, well, being in the middle is the path to evolution in a sense, but there's no being stuck. There's no hovering There's no stasis unless we're dead. Like stasis is death. So if you're not changing, you're dying. And that's something to keep in mind, I guess. Um, But yeah, you can find Interverse on YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, all the things. And the links to that are on the website, interversepodcast.com. Love to have some people come check out what I'm doing. And you can support the show on Patreon and get a two-hour version of it instead of a one-hour version. And that's uh, where the real good stuff is at. So thank you so much for giving me a chance to talk, Claudia. I knew that we'd have fun. Like you said, a friend of Matt's is a friend of mine, Matt Landman. He's been on the show three times and he's a good guy.
0: Yeah, he's a wonderful, wonderful guy. I love Matt too. Well, it was so wonderful to meet you and to have you on and to actually our first conversation is the one that we have live. And and so that's great. And um, I will upload it on YouTube and on Facebook and Bitshoot. And hopefully people will find you and find your podcast, innerversepodcast.com. And I will put the link in the description. Thank you so much, Chance, for coming on. I love this. And I will see you again in a month or so.
1: Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Thanks so much. And uh, love to you all, everybody. Thanks for tuning in.
0: Thank you all for watching. And thanks for spreading this good information that people realize.